Praise you, Jesus. Lord, we just bless you. We thank you. We know you are here in this place. We, we know, Lord, you're a very present help in times of trouble, Lord God. We know you are a good God, and therefore we don't have to fear because you haven't given us a spirit of fear. We want a power, love, and a sound mind. How many of you are glad about that this morning? In Jesus' name. Could you give a shout of praise to the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I have a, I have a very special message. And um, the title of the message is Overcomer. Praise you, Jesus. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives <coughs> even when faced with death. You know, I believe this is a very timely message for us because it's one I started approximately four weeks ago. I didn't realize all that we were going to face during that time, but God did. He knows the end from the beginning. Nothing takes him by surprise, and therefore I believe there is a prophetic aspect to this message. I know I'm here today because I'm an overcomer, and you're here today because you're an overcomer too. If you believe that, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sweetheart. We are overcomers. You know what? As believers, we face many trials and attacks and challenges. You know, many of them unexpected. And in many instances, undeserved. Yet not always so, because let's be honest. You know, all of us go through some storms that uh, we either directly caused or we contributed to in some way ourselves. For example, if you ignore the clear teaching of Scripture and live together with your girlfriend or boyfriend or you marry an unbeliever or you mess with online gambling or drugs or alcohol or porn or you're walking in pride, then you will suffer to some degree and there's no use saying that it's persecution. No, it's stupidity. If you're stupid, you will suffer, okay? You blow all your money on, on hookers or drugs or alcohol, that's stupid. Don't complain that you can't pay your rent. Turn to your neighbor and say, amen. I think he's talking to you. <laughs> so don't blame God. It's a bit like the woman getting dressed on Sunday morning who turns to her husband and asks, do I look big in this? The only appropriate answer in that moment is, do I look stupid? Because that is not a question, that is a test. It's a stupidity test. That is not a time to give her truth. That is a time to lie like a dog. <laughs> lie and live. But seriously, you know, even when we deserve everything that happens to us, God in his infinite love and mercy and kindness does not give us over to the hand of the enemy. There is no condemnation for us in spite of our sin and our shortcomings and our failures because we are loved unconditionally by God. That's why Romans 8 and verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you are glad you're included in that promise? There is no condemnation for you. Glory to God, you may have all sorts of issues. You may be imperfect, but you are loved perfectly by a perfect God. Could somebody say amen? Thank you, Jesus. And his love will bring you true. 
His love will bring you through because, again, whether our problems are self-imposed or not is utterly irrelevant. And that was something beautiful I saw in Jackie's life because there was times when she would sit for hours with people who were dealing with all sorts of self-imposed problems. And I could not get over her, her, her patience and her mercy, but she had a mercy gift. And she, she would just love people no matter where they were. She loved them without judging or condemning them. And I thought it was such a beautiful example for all of us because there was times I wanted to throw people out the top window of her office. But she'd look at me past it, it'll be grand, so it will. It'll be grand, so it will, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> Hallelujah. Whether our problems are caught or self-imposed or not is utterly irrelevant because the Bible tells us that we are in a battle. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 acknowledges the enemy that we face. And it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong. This is a season you have to be strong. These are testing times. These are dark and challenging times. And so you have to be strong. You have to be plugged into a source of strength that goes beyond mental or emotional or social or physical strength. There is a source we can plug into that comes from heaven. And therefore, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, you're going to get back up in Jesus' name. That's why the book of Micah says, Rejoice not over me, my enemy, for though I fall, yet I will arise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. Some of you been knocked down more time than you've had hot dinners but you know what each time God has lifted you up the devil can't defeat you because like the song goes you are a child of God could somebody say amen I am a child of God just say it right now I am a child of God oh thank you Jesus hell trembles hell trembles when we declare that because it's based on a revelation that you don't keep yourself. There are times when you will be overwhelmed and when your strength fails. The Bible says my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You don't keep yourself, you are kept by God in Jesus' name. And he will cover your head in the day of battle. But here the Bible says that, it says be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil name, having done all to stand. Stand therefore. I don't know what's going on or going wrong, but I know the answer is found in stand. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't back down. Keep moving forward in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible here acknowledges the enemies that we face. Amen. The enemy is real. The devil and his powers are real. They're organized and unified just like an army because they take their job seriously. Because let me say this, the devil isn't playing games even at times as the church if we are. He isn't playing games. He's playing for keeps. Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. 
On times like that will come, child of God. It doesn't say if, it says when. Times will come when your heart will feel overwhelmed, when the problems are, are coming to you against you like a wave after wave after wave, when, when tongues are being rising up against you and condemning and criticizing you, when the enemy is attacking you both physically and spiritually. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Glory to God that there is a rock we can build our lives on. There is a rock we can, we can trust in that is irrespective of what shakes or what moves. We are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken because it is built on the rock, Jesus Christ. And that is why he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There are people who've had all sorts of opinions about me and about this church over this last year and a half, particularly in regards to the stance I've taken about the churches being open. Let me say this to all the keyboard warriors, I have no apology to make. I believe churches need to be open. I believe people need to hear the gospel. Could you say thank you, Jesus? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings, for you, O God, have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. God knew that there would be times in life when we feel overwhelmed, when the enemy would come in like a flood, as the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 19. When he comes in like a flood to do what he has always done, which was to rob, to kill, and to destroy. God knew there would be times when we would be hanging on for dear life. Second Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I appreciate there are some within faith circles who think it's not faith to acknowledge struggle, but they are wrong. Because faith isn't the denial of what is, but the acknowledge of what by God's grace can be. We don't have to deny things. We can acknowledge them, but we acknowledge there's something greater than what you face. There is something greater than the giant, amen. There is the promise of God we can look to, amen. And so, again, the acknowledgement of what God, by God's grace can be, the playwright, the Irish playwright, George Bernard Shaw once said this. There are those that look at things the way they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. And while what you desire or dream of may seem impossible, why not? Why not own your own home? Why not start a business? Why not get married? Why not have kids in that order? <laughs> and if you didn't, that's okay. There's no condemnation. God will work it out. You just get things right. But again, while none of these things are without challenges, we are overcomers for a reason. God never said we wouldn't have some things to overcome, but while you may not currently see a way forward, amen, God does, why? Because he is a way maker and a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. He is a way maker and we can look to him. Because you may see yourself as defeated, amen, you are even hopeless. But God has only one thing for you, and that is victory. That is all God has for you. He has victory. I don't know what you're facing or what your situation is, but that is all that God has for you. He has victory because you're an overcomer, and you can't be an overcomer without having some things to overcome. 
Your past may say that you're divorced or defeated or bankrupt or sick or unlovable or unsuccessful or simply unable to cope, but God looks at you and says, you are an overcomer, my child. How many of you believe that, that you're an overcomer in Jesus' name? He looks at you and says, you are special. You are loved. You matter. You will win. You will defeat this thing. You will make it. Why? Because God knows that no matter what you face, he already faced it before you and deprived it of power to defeat you or overcome you. In Jesus' name, you are an overcomer. Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom we believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which are not as though they were because God sees things in you that you can't even see in yourself. He believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. He met a young man named Gideon hiding from the Midianites, and he said in Judges 6, 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said to him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. The NIV, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, Gideon certainly didn't look like a mighty warrior in that moment. He was hiding from the enemy. But you see, God sees greatness in us even when all we see is our own shortcomings and failures. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. And let me tell you something, this whole pandemic, God's plan has not changed for you. His plans are still good and they're not evil. And let me just clarify, I think I, I got my words mixed up earlier. The virus is intended to kill, the vaccine is not. I'm not taking a side on either side. I know some of you are delighted, some of you are appalled. I'm not taking a side, sorry, okay? The virus is intended to kill people. That's just for the fact checkers. Hey guys, <laughs> they, them, he, it, etc. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> God has plans for us and those plans are good, but they're not the only plans. And this is why at times we will need to overcome because Satan's plans are very simple. Rob, kill, destroy. So give no place to him. Neither give place to the devil, Ephesians 4, 27. John 16, 3, I've told you these things to you that in me you, have pe you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You see, we're overcomers only because Christ has already overcome. Romans 8, 37, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You know, Revelation 2, 7, verse 17, verse 26, Revelation 3, 5, verse 12 and 21 addresses those who overcome. Because there is a difference between planning and execution between desire and fulfillment, between calling and obedience to that call. And this is why the Bible addresses those who have overcome. Amen? It's not enough to have big dreams and big plans. No, you have to follow them true. Amen? Philippians 4.19, I can do all things true. Christ who strengthens me. You see, it's true Christ that we are overcomers. It's true Christ that we overcome. Firstly, we overcome rejection. All of us have experienced some degree of rejection in our lives. Amen, because let me say this, the devil doesn't waste time in getting to you. How many of you can remember, you know, some experience as a young child where you felt rejection? Just put your hand up, hey amen, don't be, don't be ashamed, it's okay. 
Amen? See, many of us, from a very young age, the, the enemy went to get to us. He doesn't waste any time. One of my earliest memories, I was probably three or four years of age, my older brother um, had just come back from Crumlin Hospital where he had been for about a month with my mom. And um, my dad had bought him a blue velvet jumper. He even had it in a little wrapped box. We were sitting in the kitchen. My mom always dressed my older brother in blue. She always dressed me in brown. Any pictures of me as a child, everything brown, you know. Brown jumper, brown she always had me in this dicky bow. I was this short, plump little kid. So, you know, and, and I, I used to go around these brown shorts and brown shoes. Oh my God, it looks awful. But anyway, um, you know, it was blue for my brother and, and, and brown for me. And I remember sitting there in the kitchen as a young child, observing the sadness and concern on my dad's face when he came home from work. And he had this box and he opened it and it was a jumper. And I assumed he got me something too, but he didn't even notice me in the room. His attention was on my brother. You see, I was too young to understand the seriousness of the situation. Now as a father, I understand perfectly the look that I saw on his face that day. He was heartbroken as his eldest son had been uh, diagnosed with, with uh, brain damage and, and epilepsy as a consequence of a botched birth uh, in a hospital in Cork. You know, my, my earliest memories as a child would be of waking in the middle of the night when my brother would have these te terrible epileptic seizures. Many times he would throw him out of the bed or he would knock his head off the bedside locker. And, and uh, you know, my, my earliest memories would be of getting up in the middle of the night, going down, getting my mom to come down and, and pray with him and try and stop him from swallowing his, his tongue. And um, so, you know, many of those experiences, I think, were burned on my, in, in my heart. And... Um, but uh, anyway, uh, he would get these sudden epileptic seizures with no warning whatsoever, and he would fall to the ground, and he would bang his head. Many times, just had, he had all bruises and bleeding, and, and, and so he, he was made to wear a hurling helmet wherever he went. He even had to wear it to school, um, you know, because he would many times be walking the playground, he'd get the attack, and he'd just fall straight in his head in the ground. And um, so he was, they, they made him wear a hurling helmet, um, uh, but, you know, he was called all sorts of names by the kids. It was really terrible, very difficult time. You know, if there's one reason as a pastor I'm sensitive to the suffering of others is because I still remember the, the mockery and the rejection um, uh, during that season. Uh, you know, I'm embarrassed to mention that in that moment, I was jealous of my brother receiving a jumper, but, um, you know, I felt rejection in that moment because I wasn't included. But as a little child, I didn't understand what was going on. And ultimately, it wasn't about the jumper anyway. It was about my dad's attention. Um, and you know, this is the thing. To be honest, we all experience not being included or valued at times. We, we may have been ostracized or attacked or excluded or lied or mocked about. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I was amazed. I was just, uh, you know, looking uh, recently at, at, at Google for Google reviews. And I was looking up um, in terms of how you can question some things that are utter blatant lies. And uh, I was amazed that one of their... Issues was that truth is not relevant because, you know, it comes down to, uh, you know, one person's word, they're not getting involved. So I thought, you know, this is the world we're living in where people can say all sorts of things about you uh, online and that can be utter lies. But this is the world we're in and this is why we have to look to the Lord. But, you know, Isaiah 53 and verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as were our faces from him. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. The Bible says he was despised and rejected by men. And so we must understand that long before we were rejected, that Christ was rejected for us. And through Christ, we can overcome rejection. 
You know, Matthew chapter 27, Christ was hanging on the cross, and on the cross, the Bible says that God turned his face away from Christ. Matthew uh, uh, 27 and verse 45, and it says, Now the sixth hour, it says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Laba Shabbatani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, in that moment, Christ was forsaken. Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this man is calling for Elijah. Meiji, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. But, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earthquake and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of, at the graves at the resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And so on the cross, God literally turned his face away from his son, Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he was rejected by God and forsaken by men. You know, Mark 14 and verse 50, it says, and they all forsook him and fled. The Berean Bible, then everyone deserted him and fled. Christ was abandoned. Christ was alone. You know, his very own right-hand man, Peter, had denied that he even knew him, not once, but three times, uh, you know, the night before. Christ stood alone at the cross on our behalf, bearing our sin and shame. As he hung there between heaven and earth as a cursed man. Galatians 3 and verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone hangs on a tree. That is why I will never be ashamed of Christ. I will never be ashamed of the gospel because he was not ashamed of me. He was not ashamed to hang naked on that cross, bearing my sin, bearing my shame, so that I could know his peace. Could somebody say thank you, Jesus? You know, Luke chapter 15 is such a beautiful story of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal went off into the world and into sin, and he wasted his inheritance after saying to his father, essentially, I wish you were dead because I want the money I would get when you die. And yet, he was there feeding the pigs and the filth and the squalor and the misery, and suddenly he came to himself, and he said, I will now go back to my father's house. And as he did, his father was ready, because every day, I believe, his father was looking down that long road where his son had gone, waiting for the day when his son would come back to him. And his father, instead of giving him one mother of a lecture, or condemning him, or you know, relegating him to the level of a slave, it says, his father ran towards him disregarding the protocols of that society in that day as an elder man you would never run yet he ran to his son and he embraced him in spite of the filth and the dirt and the rags he was dressed in he threw his arms around him and said welcome home son this is the gospel and that is why I'm not ashamed of it hallelujah because somebody say thank you Jesus you see, this story is a poignant reflection of the heart of God for lost and broken humanity. 
We are all rejected because of our sin, but the Bible declares the true Christ in Ephesians chapter one, that we are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted right as you are with all of your issues and all of your situations that are going on. He accepts you and he loves you because he paid for your sins at the cross. Could somebody say, thank you, Jesus? True Christ, we overcome rejection. Secondly, true Christ, we overcome deception. John 8 and 44 declares that Satan is the father of lies. And a vital principle for us to remember is that the father of lies always comes in disguise. Many times he comes to you through a person. Sadly, at times he will come to you through a believer. That person will come and whether it's a minute or an hour or a day, they leave and they leave with your peace. They leave with your joy. They walk away with your hope and you feel an utter despair as a consequence of what that person brought to you in that moment. The father of lies comes in disguise. Many times we'll be unaware of the fact that we're actually under demonic attack. And you might, you, at times we may say, I thought that was just happening. No, that didn't just happen, that was planned. Because at many times, there are satanic powers at work in the background. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder. For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as angels of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their actions. You know, over this last year, I've received a lot of criticism, condemnation, much of it from believers, most of it from believers. I think we need to become better as a church and as a society in understanding that there is diverse views and opinions and we need to be able to you know, acknowledge each other without condemning or, 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 or damning each other. Amen, remember God is the judge. Amen, so again, it says, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's interesting to note that both devils and men often work hand in hand. And like I said, sadly, I would include Christians in this. There are Christians who operate in a spirit of witchcraft. Generally, we ask people like that to leave because they're deceived. And there is usually no reasoning with them whatsoever because they are convinced that they have a hotline from God and therefore they're not open to receive any correction or advice. I've discovered you can't reason with a spirit. You can only cast it out. And sometimes it takes the person with it. But you have to watch out for people who have a pattern of problems in literally every church they join. The pastor and the leaders are always to blame. There's always some issue. When they join a church, it's just literally a matter of days, weeks, or months before there's some problem, some explosion. They leave an offense and go to the next place or they're asked to leave. Clearly, no church or pastor is perfect. But if you do find a perfect church, please do not join it because you will ruin it. Because I'm your pastor and I sure know you're not perfect. And I'm not perfect either. Amen. This is why we need to show each other some grace. But as a pastor, I do not show grace to wolves. I show them the door. 
You do not show grace to a wolf, you show it the door. Okay, I think that's important. I'm a shepherd. It's my responsibility to oversee this church that God has entrusted to my care. I make no apology for leading. That is what I'm called to do. I'm called to lead. So forgive me if I disregard the opinions of so many people out there. Because opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them, but I'm not going to sniff them. Keep it to yourself. Because when I see a wolf, my calling is to either chase them off or to shoot them in the head. I'm speaking figuratively, of course. Again, that's just for the fact checkers. They, them, he, her, it. Hi, guys. But I'm talking about the devils that work through people. One of the things that's happened over this season, during those long days and nights when I couldn't sleep at night, many times I was getting less than an hour a night and just, you know, you've no idea. It, it, it really, I just felt like there was just such a battle. But during those nights, I listened to a lot of Norval Hayes and, and, you know, a wonderful man of God. He had such a heart for the broken and the hurting, but he also had such a revelation on the reality of the spiritual realm. And and during this last five weeks, I just feel like God pulled a curtain aside. And and, and many of the things that I knew by the word of God, I I experienced and I saw. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, I realize now that you know, many of the stances that we took, particularly in regards to the opening of the church, had much greater spiritual ramifications, influence, and effect on this nation than we realized. Because you see, Satan wants the churches closed and God wants them opened. And so, again, hallelujah, help me to finish this message, Lord. Again, let me clarify. I am not talking about people. Rather, I'm talking about the devils that work through people, not the people themselves. Because as I read earlier, our battle is not against flesh and blood. People are not your problem, even if the problem is coming through people. It's the devils behind the people. But the sad truth is that there are people who walk in that rebellious, contentious, arrogant spirit, and they are deceived by the devil, and are often even convinced it is the Holy Spirit working through them, even though they're causing strife, division, and destruction. And I think that is so sad. This is why 1 John 4.1 says to, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Here John, the beloved apostle, isn't referring to the world. He's referring to the church. The book of John, I believe, is written to believers. And the devil, he's speaking, again, he's referring to the church and the devils that seek to operate in and through people to deceive and to hinder the work of God. Because many times the biggest hindrance to the work of God is believers. We need to get on our faces. We need to repent. And we need to humble ourselves before God. Too many times we're pointing our finger at a lost and a broken world, not realizing there are three fingers pointing back at us. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, We would not come under judgment. This is a time and a season where we need to deal with our stuff, our baggage, our sin. Christ speaking of the end days in Luke 21 said, Take heed that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. And the time draweth near, therefore go ye not after them. According to Christ, the end times will be characterized by deception. Say, not me. 
Thank you for that one person. Say, not me. Not my family. Not my church in Jesus' name. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, we overcome deception by walking in the light of God's word, by staying humble enough to receive correction. Again, it's so important for us to know we don't know it all. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't know it all. So listen, you might learn. 1 Timothy 2.14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Satan has sought to deceive mankind. This is what he did with Adam and Eve. This is what he wants to do with you if you let him. And this is why, like I said, churches need to be open. Why? Satan wants them closed, but this is why churches need to be open because we are directly responsible for proclaiming biblical truth to our generation and for shining the light in dark places. This is our calling. We are a light on a hill. You know, as you know, deception works best in darkness. Matthew 5:14. you are the light of the world. A city set in a hill cannot be hidden, nor did he light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is why it is so dangerous to indulge darkness in your life. Let me say this, as your pastor, if you're living in sin, I call you today, I call on you today before God, repent of it. Just turn from it because the time is short. Because listen, if you're playing with sin, you're playing with fire. Stop it. The time is short. Christ is returning. And that brings me to the next point. True Christ, we overcome rejection. We overcome deception. Thirdly, we overcome temptation. It was the, the Irish poet Oscar Wilde once remarked, I can resist anything except temptation. <laughs> now don't get all super spiritual with me right now. First John, that's, that's for my neighbor. No, we all face temptation. First John 2.13, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you know the Father. You see, as men and women, we are called by God, and we must overcome sin. Our sin will overcome us, just like in the case of Oscar Wilde. There can be no neutrality on this important issue. Either you kill sin or sin will kill you. And sadly, in so many instances, this is the case. This is what happens. How many men and women's lives end tragically simply because they were unable to overcome sin, whether that was drugs or promiscuity or alcohol or gambling or even overeating. Ah, now, pastor, you're, you're messing with me now. You know, food is the last thing I'm still allowed to indulge in. I can't drink, I can't smoke, I can't do crack at the weekends with my friends anymore because I'm a Christian. And now you're saying, I can't even eat a bucket of fried chicken. You've crossed the line, pastor. You've gone too far. For some reason, when I was writing that, I, he I heard that in Kean's voice. I, d I just, he's our cameraman, just give us a wave there. <laughs> I, I just heard his voice in my head. Ah, no, pastor, come on. You're just, you're just going too far with this. <laughs> Proverbs 23, verse 1 to 3 says, When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is set before you. And put a knife to your throat if you possess a great appetite. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. 
What it's saying here is that at times the devil will try to set, sell you some goods and he knows they will kill you. He knows they will destroy you. And, but again, he needs you to lose self-control in order to get access to your life because if you lose self-control, ultimately you will lose self-respect. So don't do it. Don't go there. Develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Galatians 4, 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, temperance, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. Hallelujah. Some of you just heard a word from God right there. Self-control. Remember one of the most powerful words you can ever utter in life is no. Just like my wife that morning, the first day we got married. <laughs> no. Relation to her passport. Uh, I remember my, little, my beautiful little brown-eyed girl. I always, Naomi, she, she's in that teenage, you know, season where she doesn't want hugs from her dad and she doesn't want me cuddling her and she's, she refuses to sit in my knee. She's 16. She thinks she's too big for that. I'm still her daddy. And I just, you know. But I remember when she was two years old. She was so cute. She was this short, plump little thing. She had the same fat cheeks as I had. She had, she had award-winning fat cheeks. You could just, I, I used to just kiss them every day over and over again. And, and she had these little brown Malteser eyes. I used to say, you, God gave you two little Maltesers for eyes. And she'd be, she, but you know, I remember as a two-year-old child, she couldn't even talk. But one day she looked at me and she said, no, not. That's it. She looked me in the eye. She, oh, she couldn't even talk. But she, she discovered two different ways to say no. And, and uh, you know, even though, she, she, like I said, she couldn't even talk yet. She was this little toddler. She was drawing a line with her daddy about something I was annoying her about or something I was asking her to do. And so she said it to me in two different ways in case I didn't understand, just in case I didn't get it. But <laughs> I, I got it. I got what she was saying, you know. And this is why, again, true Christ we overcome, amen? We overcome rejection, we overcome deception, we overcome temptation, and lastly, give me five minutes and I'm finished. We overcome destruction. First John 4, 4, you're of God, little children, and overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've overcome them, who? The demons and powers and principalities that are arrayed against you, seeking night and day to destroy you and your family. You've overcome them, why? Greater, greater. Say it, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is no devil or demon or power or principality you will ever face that will ever be greater than you because Christ in you, the hope of glory. Could somebody say, thank you, Jesus? The greater one is in me. First John 5 and 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You see, Satan is the destroyer. John 10.10, 10, he comes to rob, to kill, to destroy. And we see, his, we see his handiwork all around us. It's interesting that this verse doesn't say he comes to, to, the, to, to rob, to destroy, to kill, because we think of killing as the ultimate. But here, this verse says to rob, to kill, to destroy. This verse places destruction as the ultimate culmination of Satan's work. And we see it all around us, like I said. Destruction of homes, 
destruction of marriages, broken homes and marriages, broken promises, and broken people. You know, your heart couldn't help but be moved when you drive past the keys by Merchant Key, there by the Dublin City Council offices, to see all those beautiful young people just completely off their head in drugs, many of them looking like walking uh, just so, so, just so skinny and so thin and so broken looking. You know, I often think how many of those young people could be great artists, businessmen and women, politicians, leaders, entrepreneurs, parents, and yet sadly, so many of them end up overdosing down a dark and a dirty alley somewhere. It's tragic. You know, as believers, we face the world, the flesh, and the devil. Like I said, all of them conspiring to destroy us, or at least to stop, or hinder us from fulfilling our call. But you know what? We can overcome, and we will overcome. You know, when I was sick, I, I, like I said, I, was, I, I went for... It seemed like weeks where I just couldn't eat anything but maybe a slice of bread. I just felt so sick, so weak and fever and coughing. And You know, during that time, God visited me, but, you know, he wasn't the only one. You know, I, there were nights where I felt the devil just visiting me in that place. And I heard his voice so clear. I thought it was a physical voice in the room. And that voice said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to destroy you and all of those, you know, I'm going to take your life, and I'm going to kill all those dearest to you. I heard it so clearly. I had to look around me. I was so weak I could barely pray. That's why I was so touched when, when Cassie sang that beautiful Ron Canoli song, You Are. And if the worship group could come forward, we're going to finish with that song. But I was so weak I could barely pray, but you know what? I felt the enemy when he came in for that final attack like a wild beast to devour its prey. But God, but God, when my strength was no longer there, God was there, and he would be there with you. The Bible says he is near to the brokenhearted, and if your heart is broken today, know that the Lord is near you, he is with you, and he will bring you through. God is faithful. Malachi 3.11 says God will rebuke the devourer he will rebuke the destroyer. This is why we overcome destruction. And in those dark moments, I felt your prayers. Thank you for praying for your pastor. Because in that moment, where it seemed like all was lost, I suddenly felt the presence of God lifting the enemy, tearing the enemy off me. I know God spared my life for a purpose. And to all of our leaders and members. You know, Jackie's passing is a reminder that this isn't a game. We're in a battle. And if you're a leader in this house, I expect two things from you. Above all else, humility and holiness. Proverbs 16 and 18. Pride, go up before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. As your pastor, I love you. I believe in you, but nothing will cause me to remove you from your post faster than you walking in pride, arrogance, or unholiness. We're here to love and serve people. They're not here to serve us. We're here, like Christ, to get on our knees and wash the disciples' feet. 
I don't agree with all the bowing and scraping that goes on in some churches at times. You may have come from a church or a tradition where you bow before the pastor, don't do that before me. I'm flesh and blood. I just want you to pray for me. I need God's grace just as much as you. Not here. Because you won't love people and you won't serve people if you're proud, you will use people. So don't, as leaders, don't look on the area where you serve as a stepping stone to bigger things. Amen. Be faithful where you are with what God has given you responsibility for. Because promotion doesn't come from me. It comes from him. Psalm 75 and 6. Promotion neither comes from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He put it down one and set it up another. Satan is a destroyer. So give him no access to your life or your home. That may mean that some of you may need to cancel your Netflix subscription if you can't exercise self-control in terms of what you're watching or if you can't stop your kids from being exposed to things that are ungodly. Amen. This is a day where all of us, we need to search our hearts and our homes just like the precious Jewish people at Passover. We need to search our hearts and our homes for the leaven that may have gone unnoticed before. It's a new day. God is calling us higher. But when we seek and serve and obey him, the enemy cannot touch us. Exodus 12 and verse 23. For the Lord will pass through the smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your homes to smite you. My final verse, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are an overcomer. You are a victor, not a victim. And so I'd like you to stand to your feet. And we're just going to spend a few moments in the presence of God as Cassie comes forward and leads us in that beautiful song.